Welcome to the party, pal. Michael Duke's show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. And around the world at MichaelDukesShow.com on the interwebs. Like the fancy voice guy just said, that's what it is. It is the Michael Dukes Show. Hello. How are you? Welcome to Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. The deep dive day. Today's the day that we go all in on everything that we're going to, oh, I don't know. It's going to be fun stuff. We're getting ready for that discussion. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We're going to be visited here in just a few moments uh, by the uh, ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, otherwise known as Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's going to come in and normally... We dissect it down to the weekly top three, which will be the top three items that he thinks are the most important. But I asked him to extend the first item on the agenda for today, and that is the uh, discussion on the Constitutional Convention, which is a question that's going to appear on the ballot uh, in this election cycle. It happens once every 10 years. The citizens of the state are asked whether or not they want to hold a constitutional convention to update the state constitution with anything that they may see fit to do. And there's been a lot of discussion that this year that may need to happen because the legislature just continues to fail to act. Uh, Brad's got some strong feelings on it. I have some strong feelings on it. I know many of you do as well. Uh, And so we're going to ask him to focus on that. Uh, in the in the bigger part of this hour, and then maybe we'll ask him to stay over and bleed over into hour two a little bit, if we have time for his other two items, which would include the fact that the uh, <laughs> that the legislature, uh, the House is passing uh, pressing forward on a committing to a future spending uh, without a fiscal plan in place, and that the. Uh, uh, that you know, when we're choosing a candidate among the 48 separate candidates in the special election for Don Young, there are some some criteria that are important that we uh, we kind of discuss. So we'll see what uh, we'll see if Brad uh, can be talked into sticking with us into hour two, and uh, and maybe covering some of that as well. But we'll we'll see how the we'll see how the morning goes. We're gonna we're gonna play it by ear. We're gonna we're gonna fly like this show is so structured. We're just gonna play fast and loose. Just like we usually do. That's how it's gonna. That's how it's gonna work. Don't forget, you could participate in a couple different ways. Uh, you could always drop me an email. The email address is me at michaeldukeshow.com. M e at michaeldukeshow.com. Uh, we'll open up the phone lines here in just a bit. If you want to participate via phone, you could do that as well. And finally, you can join us in the chat room which is available on our simulcast. We simulcast the show on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Well, we're not on YouTube today because I didn't attempt to connect it simply because um, 
Um, I think I think yesterday was my last day of band, but maybe today was. But definitely tomorrow we'll be attempting to connect it back up to Facebook after our one-week ban for daring to have David Codrea on the program to talk about his being banned from Google. I don't know. I just I can't keep track of everybody. Who, who's the gatekeeper? Who's gatekeeping the gatekeepers? Right? I mean, who's gatekeeping the gatekeepers? That's all I can say right now. Uh, all right, so we're going to uh, we're going to do that, but you can always come out and join us. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. If you want to be part of it in the chat room, we got 20, 25 people hanging out with us this morning. A little slow, a little slow. Not everybody apparently has had their morning cup of joe yet and has joined us in the chat room because normally we've got a few people in there, a few more people than what we have right now. Um, all right, some of the headlines. What do we want to talk about today? Well, first and foremost... In a uh, in a blow, in a blow to some and a absolute victory to others, a federal judge has uh, struck down the national mask mandate that had been put in place by the Trans- uh, Transportation Security Administration, the TSA, that basically said airplanes, airports, taxis, other mass transits were mandated to have people wear masks. And uh, a federal judge said, no, that's that's not constitutional. You had a little bit of overreach and you overstepped your authority there. In a 59-page lawsuit ruling, U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimball Mizzle in Tampa said the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention overstepped its authority in issuing the original health order on which the TSA directive was based. She also said the order was fatally flawed because the CDC didn't follow proper rulemaking procedure. And in effect, she couldn't, uh, she couldn't just uh, uh, you know throw out the mandate for only the people who were involved in the lawsuit. So instead, she said the only remedy was to throw out the mandate for the entire country. The White House is disappointed. But everybody else is pretty jubilant. United, Delta, Alaska, Airlines, American, Southwest, and JetBlue all basically quickly announced that they were yanking the mask requirements for domestic and some international flights. Uh, And so they're making it where it is definitely voluntary to the extreme. You can do it or you don't have to. It's up to to you totally. Uh, Major airports dropped their requirements uh, but sided with the CDC in recommending that people could be voluntarily masked. That included uh, LAX, Salt Lake City, Seattle. Uh, But New York, New York's public transit system plans on keeping its mask uh, requirement in place. And the Washington Metro Area Transit Authority, they said that they would make it optional for riders on buses and trains. So it's going to be a hodgepodge across the country. But at least it is one more sign that maybe we have come to grips with the fact that the COVID pandemic is now endemic and um, you know we're we're, we're going to have to figure out a way to live with it and uh, it's uh, it's it's got to be good it's you know this is just one more step in that right direction um, of allowing people the choice of doing what they want to do um, and so um, and and again I think the biggest part for me the biggest thing that I appreciate about this is that the judge recognizes that this was an overstep of the federal authority. That was really the the biggest thing for me as I read this, is that the CDC overstepped its authority in issuing the original health order, that they just did not have that a broad authority uh, 
across the country. And it's good to see um, it's good to see uh, uh, you know this happen. Now, what does this mean? I mean, obviously, certain municipalities or areas could still they still have more local control. Um, there's nothing stopping, for example, the New York Transit system from maintaining theirs because that's a local issue. What they were saying is that the CDC didn't have broad authority to do this across the entire country and across the entire trans travel sector, transit sector. Um, but small communities, small, I mean, there still, there still could be mandates. Uh, what's it mean for Laura? Someone says in the chat room, Laura Reinbold. I don't know. I think it depends on what the legislative, uh, uh, what the legislative council says. What, what do they decide that's going on inside the building? I mean, do they even know at this point? Do they even know what's going on inside the building? <laughs> oh, man. Um, anyway, it's, uh, it's good news. It's good news. And in fact, there were some stories in, um, a couple of the places. Uh, what was the, 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 the story that I had to laugh at was, um, um, was that, uh, in a, in a sleepy passengers on a Delta flight between Atlanta, Georgia, and Barcelona, Spain cheered, whistled, and applauded when a flight attendant woke them up announcing the news mid flight over the ocean. The, the video shows the attendant saying, no one is any happier than we are. She added the people who wanted to keep their mask on were encouraged to do so. But she said, but we're ready to give them up. So thank you and happy unmasking day. I can't imagine having to fly and then deal with unruly passengers who were bent about the whole thing. I mean, it's not the flight attendant's fault that these mandates are in place. But apparently there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who eventually got banned from ever flying on airlines because they took it out on the flight attendants. And I understand it's frustrating, but, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, don't be a douche. You know what I mean? But but it is what it is. And uh, by the way, Alaska Airlines said, I think that was uh, something that was important there. Alaska Airlines said um, that uh, across the country, airlines have banned thousands of often unruly passengers who refuse to comply with the mask mandate. In the statement yesterday, Alaska Airlines said, guests whose behavior was particularly egregious will remain banned even after the policy has changed. <laughs> so, oops. I mean, guess we shouldn't have done that. Anyway, um, well, it it is what it is. But at least somebody has finally recognized that the government overstepped its authority. You think? I mean, you think? The little reaction there? I mean, pretty much everything that the that has been taken to court with the federal government over this whole COVID reaction, their handling of the COVID, has turned out to be uh, an overreach, unconstitutional and an overreach. So, uh, at least this is good news. We'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. Previously, the mask mandate, by the way, had been extended until May the third because they needed more time to study the latest variant. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, somebody called my phone line. I don't know why, because I have to go talk to Brad Keithley here. Uh, but somebody, I got, I got a minute. I got a minute. I can do this before I go to break. Who's this? Where are you calling from? God bless you, Mike. This is Mark from the Subarctic Interior, the Golden Heart Interior. Okay. What's the home of our Alaska U.S. 1867-1967 Centennial site. How are you doing this morning? What's up, Mark? What's on your mind? Quickly. Well, I'm very pleased, quickly, to hear the uh, American jurisprudence uh, verdict on the uh, masks. Uh, 
I think it was, uh, of course, a fraud all along for control. Well, I think the government, is, in its very nature, is to overreact and basically control things that they ought not to have control on. So I'll agree with you in part on that. Mike, you got three generations of insight. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, moving right along, let's, uh, let's all rally behind uh, Sarah Palin. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate you sounding off this morning. That takes me right up to the break. Time to go. We got uh, more to do. Brad Keithley going to be joining us here shortly. We'll talk with him in just a moment. And we'll do the weekly top one, maybe three. I don't know. One for sure. We're going to dive into the ConCon. We'll see what happens as we get further along. We might dive into two and three as well. The Michael Luke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thicket Radio. Two weeks to flatten the curve. No, no, two years to flatten the What was it? It's... All right, back with more right after this. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American Radio. All right, um, we are uh, on the uh, in the break, on the break, in the break, in and on the break. We're both in and on the break. Figured that out. Uh, let me get, um, let me get uh, Brad Keithley squared away. This previous page is sending you to. All right, that's fine. Just go, 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 go. So slow. Um, late to class teach, got stuck in the traffic between my pillow and my face on the way here. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. I hate it when that happens for sure. Uh, you know what I hate even more is getting out of bed and putting your foot down and realizing your dog had an accident right next to the bed. That's what I hate. That's what I hate. Uh, not that that happened this morning. I mean, it did, but not that it, anyway. It's just, it's how we roll around here. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. I can see him. I can hear my echo in thing. Now it's quiet, and he's there. He's waving at me. Are you all good, Brad? How you doing? I am, Michael. How are you this morning? Whoa, you're super loud. You're super loud. Uh, well, I, I lean toward the mic. Let me lean back. Okay, there you go. That was like, whoa, you blew me away. Um, uh, uh, we were all ready to go this morning? I am. Okay. I got my notes here. I got everything. Got my coffee here. I'm all set. Man, you got you're like you're totally ahead of the power curve on me here. Um, all right. Uh, we'll hold the line. I'll be right back to you. Don't go anywhere, and we'll uh, continue this on here. We got about. I've lost my timer. Where is it? It's, we got about three minutes here before we have to rejoin. I mean, my brain literally this morning is is I'm. You're lucky that I'm able to string two coherent words together today. Um, what were some of the other stories that I want to talk about here this morning after we're done with Brad? Well, um, Chris story sent me his thought of the day. He's not going to be joining us, but he did, did do some homework and sent me his thought of the day, which we will go over, but we'll also go over an interesting commentary. Cause I've seen this a couple times and I uh, actually had some people talk to me about this while I was in Fairbanks here a couple weeks ago, um, about whether or not the endorsement by president Trump of various candidates in the state of Alaska, does it help them or hurt them? And um, 
I, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that I don't know if it necessarily helps. I don't know if it necessarily hurts overall, but I just don't. I think it's it gets confusing. I mean, he has endorsed Shibaka, he's endorsed Palin, and he's endorsed Dunleavy. Um, his endorsement really doesn't sway me one way or the other. But what do you, we're going to talk about after we get done with Brad? What do you think about the endorsements? Do they help or do they not? So, um, we'll. Uh, We'll 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 talk about that here later on in the program. So I just want to give you the heads up that that's going to be. I'm sure it will be a hot button issue. I'm sure that that somebody will call up and give me a hot take on it, for sure. Uh, what else? Nothing else. That the legislature. It's been quiet in the legislature. There's not a whole lot being reported or talked about other than the cyber attack and the. Uh, uh, I mean, it's just I don't know. There's not a lot. Not a lot happening. We'll see if Brad's got some insight into this as we move forward. We'll be uh, talking about that. Uh, although Al Gross, did you see some of the polling came out that Al Gross did right before he jumped into the race? That was another interesting piece that Al Gross uh, uh, came in, and uh, it's he thinks he thinks he's got a shot at this. He thinks he's got a serious shot at this. Now, out of forty-eight candidates, we'll have to see what that means. But uh, he tested his popularity before he dumped uh, before he dropped his hat in the ring. So we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, okay. Um, I guess that's it. I guess we're getting, I guess we're ready to do it. Brad, I ran out of steam. we got 45 seconds. You Okay. So Brad, you're ready. He's ready already. I am. I am. And have you, have you had your coffee? Are you ready to go with your coffee? I have not had my coffee yet this morning. I did have a energy drink, but I usually have coffee and an energy drink. Some, not every day, but some days just because I'm too I'm tired, but that's what happens when you get older, I guess they say. You'll have to tell me. All right. Oh, that was just mean. All right. Hold on. hold the line, Brad Keithley. Alaskans for sustainable budgets. I'm just talking out my ass this morning. Let's go. Uh, we're going to dive into this and get ready to do the weekly top one. Well, maybe two and three. We'll see where it is. Here we go. Let's do it. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we're getting ready to do it. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, comes on board to talk with us. Now, normally we do the weekly top three, and we may do that today. If Brad is kind enough to uh, stick with us, we may bleed on over into hour two a bit. Uh, but we wanted to give this first uh, topic here uh, an inordinate amount of consideration because it's an important issue, and I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of uncertainty. And I think in some cases, justifiably so. Uh, but we're going to start off our conversation today with Brad Keithley, and we're going to discuss specifically the Constitutional Convention. It is a, it is a thing, and uh, it's coming up, like I said, once every 10 years. It pops up and, and gives us the option to revisit our own Constitution. And other states have done so. Other states have done some good work. We've had some discussions with experts on this. Um, but, uh, there's also some, I think there's some potential pitfalls and I know that a lot of people are, are a little leery of it. Let's see what Brad has to say. Good morning, my friend. How are you? 
Michael, I'm doing great this morning. So this is the unleaded version of the uh, of the Michael. This is the unleaded version. Yeah, I'm, I'm sans coffee this morning. Although I did have an energy drink, and I'm I, you know I just I don't know, Brad. It's just one of those days. It's a Tuesday. I didn't have tacos this morning, and I'm feeling a little bummed about it. But it's okay. So, um, but let's 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 dive into this now. You and I touched briefly on this last week, and I said you know we should do more of an in depth show on this um, because. As soon as people started talking about the CONCON, and I think State Senator Mike Schauer is probably one of the more vocal proponents of it, um, I understood where he was coming from. I agreed with him that it was probably really one of the only ways we were actually going to be able to do something like enshrine the, the, the PFD formula in the Constitution, create a constitutional spending cap, and doing a few other things. But I also was a little, the hairs on the back of my neck just stood up because I was like, ooh, Man, you you open the door and it's it's like be careful what you wish for, um, because it opens the door not just for your changes but for other people's changes, and I, and that really kind of worried me. Some of those fears have kind of been allayed, and I I mean I'm leaning more towards a positive on the con con thing, but uh, I got to be honest, I'm still not a hundred percent in either camp. Give us your take on this uh, and and your your decision making process, and as you decide to look this over. Well, I think I think it's important to recognize that it's still early. There's a lot of discussion that's get going to occur on this. Uh, there's a lot of uh, ways that it can play out in the in the legislature, for example. Uh, although there's not much time left for the legislature to have a have a say in it before we get to the election. So these uh, this discussion is going to be sort of the first, probably, of many we will have over the course of the of the year about uh, about how uh, how both of us uh, feel about this issue. At, at this point, I mean, I, I fully understand the frustrations that are leading those who are pushing for the Constitutional Convention to do so. Um, the, the legislature, as we talked about last week, the legislature is lawless. I mean, the legislature has stopped following statutes that were enacted to govern its own behavior. Uh, the 90-day uh, rule, 90-day session rule is, is, a, is an example that we talked about on last week's show. The PFD statute is a is the shining example that uh, that may yet uh, that may push us into in, into into a constitutional convention, and the defenders the 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 constitutional defenders the group that uh, uh, John Coghill and Kathy Geisel and and others are uh, are spearheading, uh, they're not doing anything to alleviate uh, to alleviate the concern. I mean, their argument is. Well, we can always amend the Constitution. If, if, if your concern is that the Constitution doesn't represent uh, what, it, what, it, what it should, that it, there should be additional provisions we can always amend, to, amend it. Well, the problem is, under the Constitution, the only way you can get to an amendment is through the legislature. Right. And if the, le- if the legislature's gone lawless, which, it, which they have, if the legislature's gone lawless, then that they're not going to rein themselves in as as they're committing these lawless as they're committing these lawless acts, they're not going to rein themselves in by by adopting a constitutional amendment that would that would force them back back between the ditches. So it's that's not a solution. I mean, the the because we cannot initiate a constitutional amendment by 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 uh, initiative uh, by petition. Uh, it's not a solution that, that the Constitution can be amended because the very body that's creating the problem 
is the body that would have to initiate the amendment. So right. that's not that's not a persuasive argument to me. And in fact, each time I hear that argument, I get more and more. Con- it pushes me more and more to the side um, <laughs> of a constitutional convention. I, right. And, and, they're and like they've particular- got the they got the keys jangling, and they're like, "Look, you guys can change it. I mean, you got to come to us, and we're the ones that have been breaking the law, and that's why you're mad in the first place. But you could change it. Here are the keys. You could come on over. Come on over." I mean, you got the get the lunatics with the keys to all the cell doors, and they're like, "Oh, come on over. We'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. See, you don't have to go the other way. Don't look at that. Look at what we're giving you here." Yeah, and 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 the problem is, I mean, what what sort of what sort of you know reemphasizes that or or doubles up on that reaction to their argument is the very ones who are the lawless ones are the ones making it. It's like, you know, Coghill voted, you know, voted to cut the PFD uh, despite the statute. Giesel led the way to cut the PFD despite the statute. Bryce Edgman, who's in the leadership of, uh, of that effort, uh, is leading the effort in the, in the current legislature to continue to cut the PFD uh, uh, despite the statute. So it's, it's I mean, what's, what's really galling about all this is they're sort of going, you know, yeah, yeah, you can amend it, but by, by the way, we're the very ones who are the gatekeepers for those amendment processes, and we're never, we're never going to let you do that. So it's, you're, you're right, it's, it's the keys jangling, but it's, it's the, it's the, it's the fact that the ones who are being lawless are the ones who are making the argument. Essentially, let us continue to be lawless. Ha 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 ha. Right. Exactly. And, it's, and, and and that's, I mean, that that each time I, as I say, each time I hear that. Uh, it just pushes me more and more toward uh, toward the constitutional convention side. Well, and it's not but. it's not hypothetical, Brad. I mean, because we've seen the governor has put out uh, a couple in the last you know in the last two sections uh, halves of the session here. He's put out proposals that are constitutional amendments, and they just go, "Oh yeah, that's nice," and they slide it in a drawer and they close a the drawer, and that's it. There's no discussion. Constitutional amendments that would fix some of the problems that we're having. And they're like, oh, yeah, thanks for the call. And they just slam in the door and away they go. It's This is not a hypothetical. Right. Uh, they slam the door, away they go, and they continue by, they, they continue, you know, acting acting lawlessly by by right. by ignoring uh, ignoring the very statutes that, that they tell others they have to abide by. I mean, statutes are law, right? And they tell everybody else outside the legislature, you have to abide by the law. Uh, except for us <laughs> and statutes that we've passed or that, that the le- that pre- prior legislatures have passed. Uh, uh, yeah, we can ignore those but, but, but statutes that were adopted by initiative, the 90 day, 90 day session. Right? Yeah, we can uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's just, it, it's just, I mean, if we were talking about a constitutional convention about something else and the legislature would consider it and, and consider an amendment and, you know, put it forth uh, for, for the, for the voters to vote on, then yeah, I I you know I could buy that argument that a constitutional convention is unnecessary, but but in this case I mean, they're 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 they keep pushing me more uh, toward a constitutional convention the more the more they make that argument. But there's a but, um, and, and the but basically is I'm not sure a constitutional convention. In fact, I in fact I'm very concerned a constitutional convention is not going to resolve the issue that we're all concerned about the 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 PFD issue. And, and the reason for that is while a constitutional, while the call for a constitutional convention is a statewide vote, um, and, and so the Valley, for example, that, that might vote 90% for a constitutional convention can, can, re, can the Valley and Kenai, 
might vote 90% for a constitutional convention and push it across the line, the constitutional convention itself, once it's formed, is a legislative body. Um, it, it, is, is an, it is elected by district. Uh, it is representative of districts as opposed to representative of a statewide vote. And as we've seen in the current legislature, um, when you have that sort of body, a legislative body, a district elected legislative body, considering issues, uh, they're not they're not you know coming to coming to a solution. Um, and I'm not sure that that you know trying it differently by trying it through a constitutional convention uh, and electing you know uh, electing a new body to consider this by constitutional convention, electing it by district as we would, is going to produce any different result than what we've seen uh, coming out of the legislature uh, thus far. So it's we, we what I'm concerned about is the constitutional convention becomes another excuse to put off dealing with the issue. Um, you know, we have, we, let's say we vote for a constitutional convention, then we've got to adopt procedures, then we've got to elect the delegates, then they've got to go through the consideration. And, and I, it, it becomes another reason to say, well, we can't resolve the PFD this year. That's often the constitutional convention. We'll see if it's ever, we'll see how it's handled there. And they just keep putting it off and putting it off. And it never gets resolved there either. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're gaining on solving the issue by going down the road of a constitutional convention, and I think a constitutional convention can become a lot more complicated uh, very quickly by a lot of other issues. For example, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade um, this summer, as as a lot of people speculate they might. Uh, yeah. The, the PFD issue may seem minor by the time we get to the Constitutional Convention, because we may be having the battle, the mother of all battles about uh, about the right to privacy plank uh, that's currently in the Constitution, as interpreted by the Alaska Supreme Court. Right. That's, inter that's, that's currently in the Constitution. And that may overwhelm everything uh, and ultimately lead to, you know, a crash and burn of the Constitutional Convention in, 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 through that issue. Uh, and the PFD just gets pushed off to the side and we never get it resolved. Well, you start looking at who the delegates are going to be. I mean, you know, they, they, anybody who's not sitting in the legislature at that point could basically be up for grabs on it. That doesn't mean that they couldn't pull out some Jennifer Johnston's or some uh, Chuck Cops or Kathy Geisel's or John Coghill's uh, out of those districts if they get, you know, nominated or put forward for that. Uh, you could end up with a with a constitutional convention that's got you know mom and pops and and uh, people like that, but also some political fixers who go in there to try and and work their voodoo on it at the same time. Oh, it'll be heavily lobbied. I mean, wherever it is. I mean, the the fifty five constitutional convention was 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 put up in Fairbanks at the at the university to get it away from Juno and get it to away from the lobbyists. But in this day and age, with airplanes and 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 travel. You know, maybe if they hold it in Nome or someplace, they, they might <laughs> might get away from people. But but there will be lobbyists buzzing around this thing like crazy. And there will be national interest in it. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, there will be national interest in this constitutional convention like, you know, we've never seen. And and there will be a lot of, of effort made to try to uh, get the constitutional convention to address that issue. Uh, as well as the PFD, as well as any number of other issues that people are going to uh, people are going to propose. So, 
I think on the downside, my, my concern is we don't solve the issue. I mean, people, people are thinking that the Constitutional Convention solves the PFD issue, right? We'll put the PFD in the, the Constitutional, we'll, we'll vote for a Constitutional Convention. The Constitutional Convention will put the PFD in the Constitution. We'll vote to ratify the Constitution. Done. You know, we've actually, we've actually solved the issue. I think the second step of that, that the Constitutional Convention actually puts the PFD in the, in the Constitution in a way that people think it should be, um, I think that is a very speculative issue. And by, and by putting it off to the Constitutional Convention, I, I, think, uh, I think we're way down the road before, uh, b- before we find out whether that actually does it or not. Uh, Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're coming up on the break, and we're going to continue this discussion with him. Uh, when we get back, I want to talk about the timing of it. This is not a quick fix. This is, I mean, this is going to take some time. Uh, and then maybe the ideal situation where this would, and if not this, then what, I guess, will be the three questions that I want to talk with Brad about uh, as we wrap this uh, up into the last segment of this hour. And Brad's agreed to come on over uh, into hour two, and we might spread uh, we might spread two and three out into into hour two. But those are kind of the three things, you know. If not this, then what? You know, the timing of it, um, and uh, and any other pitfalls that he may see on this. We'll jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty base, free thinking radio. Don't forget, you can always come out and check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. You can drop me an email me at michaeldukeshow.com and um, I guess that's it for now. We're going to be back with more Brad Keithley right after this. Don't go anywhere. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and michaeldukeshow.com Okay, we are in the break right now. Somebody quoted somebody quoted Dwayne Bannock in the chat room. The Alaska Constitution is a despicable document. I always like to say, well, you know, the Constitution is communistic or socialistic, but I didn't write it. I just have to live underneath of it. So we'll make the best of it as best we can. I wasn't the one that wrote it. Although you can't necessarily you can't necessarily blame the framers of the state constitution. Their hands were tied by the federal government at statehood to begin with. That was really a statehood thing uh, that, you know, we really kind of got the sticky shaft on uh, in that regard. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I didn't write the damn thing, but I definitely have to live under it, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, Brad, your thought? Well, yeah, I mean, one one thing that, uh, that, you know, we we often hear in the PFD debates is, well, just give us back our mineral rights. Well, the state can't do that. I mean, it can't yeah. do that even if we have a constitutional convention, right? Because the mineral rights came from grant by the by the federal government with a right of reverter, as lawyers would say, uh, which is that if the state try to tries to alienate a, a legal word, if the state tries to grant uh, uh, tries to parcel out those mineral interests to uh, to individuals uh, or to anybody, um, uh, then um, uh, the the those grants are are unlawful and the and the mineral rights revert back to the federal government. So there are constraints uh, that are going to be imposed even uh, in this con- even if we have a constitutional convention by by federal law. Right. It's a I mean it's a tough situation. I mean I agree. I didn't uh, 
like I said, I didn't write it, but uh, we definitely have to live within this framework. And if it if it is the law, then we should hashtag follow the damn law. Uh, it just seems to make you know seems to make the most sense here. Um, uh, ja, ja, Jim says Coghill and Giesel would probably be selected as constitutional delegates. Uh, it's possible. I mean, that's the thing. You got a lot of people out there. Uh, and I know Mike Shower's like, oh, well, they probably would just pick regular mom and pops and they don't. I don't I think that that's a little naive. I think that they're going to pick, uh, you know, the people who are the most vocal and most vociferous and those who have got something to win or lose on this are the ones that are going to be vying for those spots. And so it's going to be contentious. Uh, oh, it's, it's hugely naive to think it's going to be mom and pops. I mean, money, there's going to be money come in to the election of the delegates. Yeah. I mean, the oil companies are going to be concerned about what the heck the, the you know delegates might do to the to the oil industry. Fishing industry is going to be concerned about what the delegates might do to the fishing industry. Um, uh, the top twenty percent are going to be concerned about what you know the delegates might do. I, if again, if Roe versus Wade is overturned this summer, uh, we're going to see all sorts of national money come piling in uh, to, uh, uh, to to affect it. So it's. Yeah, it's it's very naive to think it's going to be ordinary mom and pops. It's going to be there's going to be a lot of money coming into this. Yeah, and I could see nothing but I could see but nothing but former uh, former legislators getting the nod on a lot of the stuff on both sides of the aisle. Uh, you know, Michael, I, there's not a prohibition on existing legislators that I know of. There's not one in the Constitution, and there were legislators elected to the 1955 convention. I thought there was a I thought there was a restriction on serving legislators. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought there was a restriction on sitting legislators being part of the process. Uh, but maybe maybe who picks the delegates, Brad? I mean, that's it's a nomination and a vote, right? So I mean, well, <laughs> it's it's an election, and 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 here's I mean we'll, we'll talk about this when we come back on the air in terms of timing. But it's the Constitution says in the absence of, of, of a, a statute enacted now to govern the procedures that we're supposed to use the procedures that were that were used in 1955. Well, in 1955, they used electoral districts to uh, to elect uh, the delegates. But those electoral districts no longer match one man, one vote. So the question is going to be, you know, whether we use those old electoral districts or whether we have to adopt new electoral districts. And that issue is going to be up to the legislature, at least in the initial issue. The existing, well, whatever legislature is enacted, elected, elected next, uh, well, it could or could not be. It depends on whether the governor would try to do it by special session. But it, it's going to be up to, to whatever legislature addresses that issue uh, uh, with respect to uh, with respect to what the districts are. So, yeah, it's a hot mess. Let's just put it that way. It's a hot mess. All right, we're going to. Uh... Jump back into this then here. Hold the line, Brad. We'll be right back to you here in a minute. Uh, folks, like and share this show. Like and follow the show page. Uh, and uh, make sure you get notifications uh, as we go live. Uh, Rob Meyer says, so here's the thing about the delegates. How many people do you know that you would love to see in the legislature but would never do it because they don't want to bear their souls every two years or take four months off from their lives every year? but they might be persuaded to do it once for three months. We have a much better chance to get good people to participate as statesmen <laughs> I, uh, in a constitutional convention. Um, I, well, there's a lot to unpack there. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. Before we jump into it, hold on, Brad. You can comment on this on the other side. I'll reread the question. 
the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Like and share. Let's uh, let's jump into it. Here we go. All right, uh, continuing now, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're focusing down on really the top one today, which is the Constitutional Convention. And there's a lot of reasons uh, to be uh, positive about it. But there's also, you know, there's some pros, but there's also some cons and some of the the con cons, the con con cons. Uh, There's also some other ones. Uh, Part of the problem is, of course, that it's a mini legislative body by the time it's all said and done, and it's done by district. And the question is, will it be filled with politicos or will there be uh, or will it be normal, average, everyday people? And we've seen some discussions. Mike Shower has talked about how he feels like uh, you'll get some average Joes in there and everything else, although I, I think that that's a little optimistic. Uh, Rob Myers in the chat room with us today says, so here's the thing about delegates. How many people do you know that would love to see uh, who you would love to see in the legislature but would never do it because they don't want to bear their souls every two years or take four months off from their lives every year? But they might be persuaded to do it once once for three months. We have a much better chance to get good people to participate as statesmen in a constitutional convention. And while I agree that there is a higher probability that something like that could happen— I don't think that by any means it's a lock that you will get a majority of people to show up like that. Uh, Brad was ch- choking. He was laughing. At the, he, he, I think I don't think he believes that that's the hundred percent the truth. Brad, give me your thoughts on that. Well, I, I started laughing at the three months. I don't think this thing gets. I, I it, it took seventy some odd days uh, for the for the prior uh, for the nineteen fifty five constitutional convention, and and frankly, they weren't dealing. They were all of their, uh, they were all there, frankly, of one mind, which was to get a document that, that enabled statehood. Um, and, and they adopted the principle of being simplistic and, and having a short document and not trying to be prescriptive about how the, how the government would operate. Uh, so it was, it, here, we're going to have people who are trying to dive down into the issues of fiscal policy and the PFD. And as I say, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, you know, the whole abortion issue. Uh, here, we're going to have, you know, some very tough issues that people are trying to resolve. So I think three months is a little, is a little uh, optimistic. There's no restriction uh, that I recall out of the 1955 convention on doing it, that you only have three months to do it. So um, I think, and, and you throw in the lobbyists, and you throw in all sorts of other factors. Uh, I, I think three months is a little, uh, is a little optimistic. Plus, I don't think this election is like is different than any other. I mean, we might we might hope that that candidates could just run on their on their platforms or on being leaders or on being good people or on being, you know, positive, uh, positive Alaskans. But if this thing again, if Roe versus Wade is over, particularly if Roe versus Wade is overturned, if this thing uh, uh, gets going, those elections are going to be uh, just like any other. They're going to you're going to have opponents trying to dig out dirt uh, on uh, on candidates that may deem to be ahead. You're going to have the newspapers wanting to dig into the background of the candidates, um, and and I and I think the same the same restrictions on people, you know, not wanting to put themselves you know through the ringer to run for the legislature or run for Congress. 
I, uh, run for governor, I think the same restrictions are going to apply. Once they sort of think about it, I think those same restrictions are going to apply to people wanting to run for uh, uh, for, the, for the Constitutional Convention. And one more time, there's going to be money. There's going to be money. I mean, we this legislature hasn't even adopted restrictions. This legislature hasn't adopted restrictions on 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 giving Campaign, to candidates yeah. for the legislature that would apply also to candidates for the constitutional convention uh, and I, there's going to be money in here that i think is going to you know play a factor as well so I, I i'm not i mean i understand rob's rob's vision i understand mike's vision but i just don't think that's how it plays out in practice well and let's talk about the timing you just mentioned that three months is what he was saying but it could there's no restriction it could be twice that long it could be more uh, and I think a lot of people think of the CONCON as kind of an open and shut thing, but this is a process that's going to take four years, three years, four years, five years. I mean, we don't, I mean, at this point, you know, it's, it's a lengthy process. It's a minimum of a couple, two and a half, three years. I mean, this is a long-term deal. It could go even longer. Well, the constitution provides that in the absence of, of a procedural, the, the legislature is setting us, setting forth procedures that this that the constitutional convention would follow the procedures of the 1955 constitution uh, uh, the constitutional convention plus the, the constitution provides that the election would be the election of delegates would be at the next statewide election which would be in 2024 um, uh, if the constitutional convention is passed in the, in 2022 that's the time that we would elect the delegates right. under the constitution in the absence of in the absence of the legislature specifying something else before then. I tell you, I think, I think there's a big issue that's going to show up right up front, which is what are the, what, how do we elect delegates? What are the delegate districts? Um, and, and how are we going to apportion <coughs> delegates among those districts? In 1955, there were, delegates were apportioned to electoral districts, and then some of the delegates were elected statewide. Um, the problem with, or the challenge, is going to be, uh, you know, exactly if 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 if, we, if the legislature doesn't enact anything else, the Constitution says we follow the 1955 procedures. The problem with the 1955 procedures is those electoral districts that we use in 1955 don't meet one man one one uh, one vote requirements anymore. But here's an issue: uh, the issue is federal law is not settled on whether one man one vote, which is a federal constitutional standard applies to constitutional conventions. So I can easily see a situation in which we get a challenge. If we try to use those 1955 electoral districts, we get a challenge uh, that they don't meet one man, one vote. And we've got to work our way up through the federal uh, appellate, the federal judicial system on whether one man, one vote is going to apply to those to, uh, to our election of, uh, of delegates. It's not a settled federal issue it's not the supreme court hasn't decided right the case it's not case law yet yep right. so I, I think i think we've got a very long process i mean a lot of people who want to impose procedural hurdles on this process have a lot of opportunities to interject court challenges and, and court issues uh, into the process so uh, again, a longer process than we probably anticipate. Lots of opportunities for court challenges uh, and everything else. This leads me to my final question for, I guess, this segment, and I'll let you run out the segment with this. But so, if not this, then what, Brad? I mean, this this does have opportunities. It does have pitfalls. But really, it is the shiny object in the room at this point. It seems to be the only true way 
Because as you said, you pointed out the hypocrisy of these people saying, well, you've got a way to amend the Constitution. You just got to come to us hat in hand. And if we feel like it, you will maybe we'll talk to you. You know, but this this seems like the only real solution, even with its pitfalls. If not this, then what? Well, I think I think if you if you take as I do that the PFD is the driving force uh, in 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 driving this issue, uh, at least now before before the Supreme Court addresses Roe versus Wade, if you take that the driving force in this is is the is the PFD, then I think the the solution that that avoids all this is to come to a fiscal policy compromise. Uh, in the legislature adopted by the governor, uh, and resolve this issue before we have before we throw it into a constitutional convention, and I and I think that's okay, because I don't think a constitutional convention ultimately, because it is a legislative body, I don't think a constitutional convention ultimately is going to come to any de- any different uh, uh, resolution uh, of the fiscal issue than a compromise. I think if it if it gets resolved there, it's going to be resolved uh, as a compromise there. The problem is, you know, we've known that we need to compromise for what's past six years. We haven't compromised for the past six years. Right. Um, and, and if we don't compromise by November, then the judgment is going to be, well, do we force a constitution? Do we vote to force a constitutional convention to try to force them to compromise? But even then they don't have to compromise. I think they just run the clock out on a constitutional convention, never come to a resolution, never put one in front of the people. And, and, and all we've done is just kick this can down the road uh, even further. I, the, the, the solution to this is, is to find a way to get a fiscal uh, policy agreement uh, out of the legislature and out of the governor. Um, whether we do that's an open question, but that's, that's the better way to do this, I think, than going down the road of a constitutional convention. I, I'm, you know, I don't, I'm even more torn than when we got started at this point, uh, because, you know, again, I, I mean, I was, I was definitely for me in the very beginning, there were definitely more cons than there were pros. Um, I was kind of swayed a little bit back more towards the pro side here a little bit ago. And now the more I think about it, I just, I don't know, because again, this is politics and whether we want to think that it's not, whether we want to think that good people will now have a greater opportunity to get elected but you've made you've made valid points that again this will be an election like no other, and with unlimited campaign contribution limits, uh, it will be a no holds barred money brawl fest, uh, which of course in most cases in most instances raises the worst of the worst to you know to to the people that goes in there. I mean it, it could be a hot mess. You got about ninety seconds here. Well, I mean just think just focus on oil for a second. Oil is not going to let this election go without trying to influence it. Right. Oil is going to get in there and, and want their candidates to run because they don't want a constitutional convention that can do something to them. So this is unlike 55. 55, we were sort of a backwater state. We didn't have much oil. We didn't. We had fish was our big deal. Um, and there was some fish money in the in the 55 election, but not a whole lot. This is entirely different. We are now we're now dealing with real live economic issues and people who have interests in those issues are going to invest a lot of money and making sure that those interests are protected from the get-go. So it's a, um, it, it's it, 55, you sort of expected people of, 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 you know, community leaders to stand up and do it. I, I think this is entirely different. All right. Well, uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, he is going to stick with us here for a second, and we will uh, continue in hour two. We're going to pick up uh, the two and the three of the weekly top three. 
uh, because we don't have Chris Story today, so we can flush some things out. And we'll be back with more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay. Well, I don't know what they what was going on with that but that did not that did not like it when i was trying to control the volume it didn't like the volume control uh all right um yeah brad i don't know man I, you know i just at some point i feel like i just want to throw my hands in the air and go you know you guys sort it out and walk away. <laughs> you know just <laughs> you guys just figure this out i'm i'm done i've been trying this for 20 25 years you know you got you just I've been telling you, this is the thing. This is the worst part. I've been telling everybody that there's a problem. And I'm not saying that I have every answer, but I've pointed out some big, you know, you you know, you guys got big brains. I've been pointing out the problems and saying, here's my suggestion. I don't have all the answers, but we can at least move in this direction. And they all look at me like I'm stupid and then walk away. And then, of course, 15 years later, they go, well, you know, this was really where the problem was. That's what I've been saying for 15 years. I mean, you know, it's just... At some point, I just want to go, hey, you want to talk about, I don't know, cookie recipes. I, I just don't even care at this point sometimes. It's, just, it's so frustrating. And now to get down to this and think, well, maybe it'll work. And then as you point out some of the things that I hadn't considered, I'm like, it, it's all polit. It's just, I'm just, I just want to go home and have a drink. It's 630 in the morning and I want to go home and have a drink. Uh, you know, I mean, th- this is this is where we're at, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm was really excited about the fiscal policy working group. I was excited about the results of the fiscal policy working group. It wasn't exactly what I would have, what I would have done, but Hey, they got to a resolution and it was, it was between the ditches somewhere. Um, and I thought, okay, now we're going to, now we're going to get someplace. And then it just, you know, it just gets ignored because, because leadership doesn't like the results that came out of the fiscal policy working group. And you've got legislators who are now, you know, who are key in it, like Jonathan Christ Tompkins, uh, who are now, you know, not going to run again. And, and we're sort of we're sort of going to start all over again. I, I think I think about about a year or two years, if we vote for a con con about a year or two years into that process, we're going to look back at the fiscal policy working group and say, hey, that was a great idea. Why? Why didn't we do that? Right. Exactly. Why didn't we adopt that and just move on? Yeah, no, I and and that's what I've been. I mean, the frustration level for for me is uh, amazing. I can't imagine what it must be for these people that went through ninety hours, a hundred hours of all this work to put together this bipartisan idea to come together to all of them kumbaya, even though they're so philosophically opposed at so many levels, but to vote unanimously on this thing and then to have everybody go jog on. I mean, you know, like what the, I mean, what the hell? This may, this may be, this may be the core of it. I, I think people think ConCon. I know some people think ConCon is if they just vote for a constitutional convention, we get a constitutional convention, they win. We get a, we get a statutory PFD embodied in the Constitution, we win. And and so that's the that's the sense that they're bringing to it. That's not going to happen. It's going to be another legislative process. The best that's going to come out of it is is a, a compromise, and in and it's going to be delayed by several years before we even get there. I think we ought to. We I think we should have and 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 should grab the compromise that came out of the fiscal policy working group uh, and move on. I don't think the concon is going to produce anything better than that, um, and 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 we're just going to go through a process 
and open ourselves up to all sorts of other things uh, uh, just to get back to the same place that we were, you know, last summer. Right. I mean, yeah, there really should be a mandate from leadership to say, hey, this was a pretty good idea. Maybe we should discuss this amongst ourselves now since we've been ignoring it. Um, Hawk says, Brad contradicted himself. He basically said that a constitutional convention wouldn't do any good. Then he said the oil companies didn't want a con-con because of what might happen. He's not making any sense. That's not what Brad said. Brad said that the oil companies would pour money into it to protect their interests. He didn't say that they didn't want it to happen. If it does happen, they will be there with their checkbooks out to make sure that whatever does go into that does not harm them. Am I right? I mean, that's, that's part of the problem of what we're saying here is that the Constitutional yeah, Convention wouldn't do any good for us, uh, potentially, but that all the spe- – it's a, somebody said earlier it was an all-you-can-eat buffet of special interests. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, it's it, – the oil companies probably don't want a Constitutional Convention, but if there is a Constitutional Convention, they're going to make sure they have, they have a role, a big role in that, in, in that Constitutional Convention. So there will be money going in to defend the Constitution, that group – to try to stop a constitutional convention, but if it passes, but, but here's the thing, don't think, don't think that passing a constitutional uh, convention solves the PFD. It doesn't. It just sets up another legislative body to address it. And the legislative body, that legislative body, the constitutional convention to address it is not going to be any different. There's, it's not going to have any different dynamics than, than the legislative body that we have now uh, addressing it. Don't vote for a constitutional convention thinking that the next day you get a PFD, constitutional PFD. That's not that's not the resolution. Right. It's just the start of a new battle. It's the start of a new battle with some of the same players in a different role or, you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, I just, I don't even know what to say at this point. All right. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're coming up here on the uh, top of the hour. Uh, And we're going to be picking things back up with Brad. We're going to cover the next two of the weekly top three, which includes this idea that they're going to the legislature is pressing forward with forward funding when they don't have a fiscal plan. And also the one thing you may need to think about as you pick your one of 48 candidates in the special June 11th mail in primary vote. I mean, this thing's going to be a hot mess. We'll talk about that with Brad here. In just a moment, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Please like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Uh, and uh, just generally tell your friends and family about what we're doing here, huh? Because that's all we can do. We just got to get more people involved. That's all we can do. Here we go. Jumping back into it. Let's get it done. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. 
We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Hello, good morning. Welcome to Hour 2 of Tuesday. Now, normally by this time of day, we're all finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, but we just spent the last 45 minutes or so talking about the pro-con of the con-con. The con-con pro-con. I mean, it is... You should go back and listen to this because it's a very interesting discussion. Brad's brought up a lot of things that even I hadn't considered. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm more frustrated now than I ever was uh, to begin with. So thanks for that, Brad. I appreciate that. Uh, but now we're uh, uh, he's, he's agreed to stick with us here into Hour 2. And so now we are going to dive into the remaining two of the weekly top three, which includes a discussion on the House, you know, pressuring and pushing forward on all this forward funding without a fiscal plan. And also, the one thing you should really think about when you pick uh, out of the 48, your one candidate for that special election in June. Let's start off with number two here, the forward funding issue without a fiscal plan. Brad, what what say you? Well, the House has started to pass bills uh, that are committing the state to future uh, future spending. Uh, the House passed last week uh, HB 55, I think it is, which is uh, creates a defined benefit plan for first responders. Um, as we've talked on prior shows, that's sort of the crack in the door. Once they get a defined benefit plan going, the, the, the push will come to add teachers and then add other state employees and, and on and on and on. But this is, this is the first crack in it, uh, which is to uh, 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 create a defined benefit plan for, uh, for first responders. Uh, in a second bill, they uh, passed a, a bill that would restore and 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 set up in the same way as uh, uh, the PCE uh, set up in the same protected way uh, as the uh, power cost equalization uh, payments or the power cost equalization fund. Uh, they would set up a fund for uh, the higher ed uh, uh, college uh, scholarship program uh, that the college scholarship program or the, the funds for the higher education uh, scholarship program, were swept uh, last year um, uh, into the uh, CBR uh, as part of uh, as part of the governor's uh, uh, the administration's uh, sweep of funds after the legislature had finished appropriating, um, and they were the higher scholar the higher ed funds were uh, were not protected. Uh, they were in the general fund. They were a subcategory of the general fund and thus subject to sweep. They got swept in and everybody got concerned all of a sudden that there weren't going to be college scholarship funds uh, adequate to, to fund the, the college scholarship program that, that the universities relied on. This really goes back to university funding more than anything else. Um, and, and so the legislature had, had a bill in front of it, has a bill in front of it that would set these funds aside, the higher ed funds aside, put them in a, in a specialized fund under a corporation in the same way that the PCA, PCE funds are. Uh, that at least the Superior Court found uh, were, is a way of protecting it from sweep, from being swept. Uh, and it would do that for the higher ed scholarship fund. So the, the legislature is in, the, the House passed both those bills last week. So the legislature, the House at least, is in the process of beginning to make commitments uh, for future spending. We're going to have the BSA bill, the, the, the increase in the, in the K-12 through BSA 
uh, come through house finance, go to the house floor, and it's likely going to pass because, you know, it's about the children. And, and we all want to respond to education uh, will, be the, will be the floor speeches, and they'll pass that. Here's the problem. They're passing these, these bills that commit the state to increase spending uh, going forward, or in the case of the Higher Ed Scholarship Fund, setting aside funds that otherwise could be used uh, to, to fund general programs, setting them into a special category and dedicate and designating uh, those <laughs> funds uh, for, that, uh, for that category, taking them off the table to be used for other categories. They're going ahead and doing that, and we don't have a fiscal plan. So you really can, what you really ought to be thinking about these bills as doing is passing PFD cuts. Each time you pass a spending bill and you don't have a fiscal plan, you don't have alternate revenues in place, or you don't have offsetting spending cuts being enacted someplace else, what you're doing is you're increasing the draw on, in, on future PFDs. You're passing PFD cut bills. Um, and, and nobody, I think, nobody on the House floor articulated it that way uh, during the debate, but that's exactly what we're doing. And, and I think it's, I think, frankly, it's irresponsible to, to, to be passing these spending bills, making commitments regarding future spending, making commitments to restore a defined benefit program, making commitments to set aside funds uh, uh, for the higher scholarship funds, making commitments uh, in the case of the BSA to increase uh, the BSA. I think it's irresponsible to be passing those bills uh, without having resolved the fiscal situation and know how you're going to pay for them, um, uh, have a vote on how you're going to pay for them at least, because, because all you're doing is you're really committing, you're really committing just a future PFD cuts uh, without saying it, without right. admitting it, without, without acknowledging it and without having a vote on whether that's the right way to be paying for things. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, without it, those, you're basically in, in encumbering future commitments from, uh, um, from citizens from one form or another, PFD cuts, new taxes, whatever it is, you're encumbering them for the future without that legislature being able to take a vote on it. And I think that that's problematic. And really, uh, it comes back to, of course, this whole question of designated and designated and everything else. I mean, they may be skirting the I mean, they're violating the spirit of the law, if not the letter of the law at this point, as you said, based on a superior court uh, judgment ruling. They didn't get to the Supreme Court, but I mean, at some point, somebody's going to have to say, well, what did the framers intend when they said no dedicated funds? Well, we designated and then we put them in a state corporation and we did this. And so, you know, it's really not dedicated, but it's, you know, it has all the features of dedication without the designation of dedication, de designation. You know, we're, get, we're getting to a place that every, that every fund is going to be protected except yeah. for the permanent fund. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, we're setting up a situation where the PCE is protected, where, you know, we're forward funding K through 12, we're, we're, you know, setting the, we're putting the college scholarship funds back, back in a, in a, in a protected category. The only thing that's going to be unprotected and thus the thing that's going to be taken to pay for all this is PFD cuts, taxes on middle and lower income Alaska families. So right. I just think it's, I, I think it's irresponsible of the legislature uh, to be doing that. I, I, you know, Sarah Rasmussen voted for it. That's just another flip on, on her part. She says she's for protecting the PFD, but then she votes for legislation like this that, you know, that leads to, uh, leads to future PFD cuts. I think it's just, 
the, the legislature is just, I mean, we were talking in the last segment about a lawless legislature. This isn't lawless. They can do this. But I think it's irresponsible. It's fiscally irresponsible to keep going down this road without having the debate and, and, and resolving uh, how, we're, how we're paying for this stuff in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, we got about uh, seven, eight minutes here. Uh, so let's talk about uh, number three. Which is your choice of, uh, you know, you got people got 58, 48 uh, candidates to choose from um, in this uh, in this upcoming special primary election for the congressional seat. And you say that there should be one thing that they're looking for in this. I mean, Brad is picking the one thing. Pick the one thing for me, Brad. Uh, so what, what is the one thing we should be looking for in a candidate as we look at this uh, 48 crowd of 48 here? Well, we had a discussion on the show a couple of weeks ago about a chart I was building for uh, how, how to evaluate uh, the congressional candidates. And I did a subsequently, subsequently did a column for one of my Friday columns for the Alaska man, uh, landline that uh, landmine that went through those criteria and why I, why I believe those criteria was, was, were important. One of the criteria uh, is the ability to work across the aisle, the ability to compromise. And, and as I said in the landmine column, and as I think I said on the show, that is a critical criteria to me because Alaska has one representative. I mean, you look at some of these other states that have legislators who are either members of the squad or like uh, MTG is, you know, or, or whatever the heck her name is from Colorado, Bobert, Bobert, uh, yeah. that, is, right, yeah. that is off to the right. I mean, they have other representatives in those states that can look after those states' interests. So they can afford somebody uh, to have one of their representatives go off to an extreme. I mean, New York has other representatives. They can have AOC afford to go off and, and, and be go off to the left. And Georgia has other representatives that can look after the state. They can afford to have uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene go off, uh, go off to the right. Alaska can't afford that. We've got one representative um, that, that needs to focus on the state's interests. We can't afford to have a representative that goes down a rat hole of, you know, getting into a caucus or getting into a squad or getting into a, uh, into a, uh, you know, a, a partisan position that, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, sort of forecloses the ability to work across the aisle because, you know, Democrats are likely to lose the Congress this year, but they may gain it back in future years. And, and we need somebody to be able to work across. That's what Don Young did. Don Young, as irascible as he was, as 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 prone to you know saying bizarre things as he was, Don Young was able to work across the aisle and used his power that he built up through the committee process and then sustained as a result of his seniority. Used that process, I think, to to look after Alaska's interests, not only financially, but as we talked on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, also our interest in dealing with federal lands and and federal regulations that. Uh, that affect Alaska greatly. And the, the column that, I, that I'm referring to, there's a column in the op-ed page um, of the ADN, not an ADN op, uh, editorial, but an op-ed that somebody wrote called Don Young and Overcoming Political Pol uh, Pol uh, Polarization. And I think that's an excellent column. It, it, su it summarizes sort of this issue of someone who's able to work across the aisle. So when I look at candidates, I'm gonna look at one of the criteria that's important to me, maybe the most important, but certainly an important criteria is, is the candidate able to work across the aisle or is the candidate someone who's prone to getting himself or herself 
off in one of these corners, like, like, like the members of the squad or MTG or others prone to sort of run off into a partisan corner and, uh, and, and lose the ability to work across the aisle. I think the column captures that criteria uh, very well. And for people who, uh, who want to know what, what are the important criteria, not just, oh, I like Sarah, or, oh, I like Josh, or, oh, I like Tara. Uh, people who want, to, who want to think through the criteria that they're using to judge these candidates, I think that column is a great place to, uh, to sort of get a a sense of what's important from uh, the ability to work across the aisle. <clears throat> I immediately start seeing comments in the chat room about how we don't want to work with the dirty, dirty communists. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. I just, I just, I start to wonder when did cooperation become a bad word? Uh, when did, you know, when did, uh, uh, you know, and, and I'm not talking about compromising first principles. I'm just talking about when did walking across the aisle to somebody who you disagree with and trying to work through your differences, when did that become bad? When did, I mean, you know, everything is so divided. And I know everybody's going to say, well, they, they did it. I'm just saying, look, they may have done it first. We may have done it first. We may have done it last. We may have done it better. They may have done it better. I don't know. But when did it become such a dirty word for people to try and come together and find some common ground? That now, I mean, it's just this polarization is, is I mean, it is destroying us. It is literally destroying this country. Uh, it's destroying the world. And, and. It has come to the point to where it's all extremes. You cannot be trying to find any kind of common ground with somebody who you disagree with philosophically. Yeah, and I and I don't mean somebody. I mean I, I'm not a particular fan of Al Gross. I I I don't mean somebody who just says they can work across the aisle, or I'm an independent so I can work across the aisle. Somebody somebody who has a demonstrated track record and uses rhetoric that that reaches across the aisle and builds majorities. You can't always count. I mean, the, part of the problem that we're in with Anwar, part of the problem that we're in with NPRA is it's become very partisan. And so the Republicans, you know, free it up, open up NPRA or open up, open up Anwar. And then the Democrats shut it down. Well, there's a, there's a middle ground in there that would get it open, maybe not as completely open as we want it, but would get it open. There's a compromise on the PFD that would get a PFD established and, and we could go on and, and with the rest of our lives. It, to think that there's a partisan solution to everything that's going to be a lasting partisan solution is just false. It's just, it, 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 you're, you're, you're kidding yourself. So yes, go work with the Republicans, only work with Republicans, get Anwar open. And then the next time there's a Democrat Congress, bam, then we're closed again. Right. Get, and, and we're not, we're never going to get investment. We may get Anwar. We may, people may say it's open, but we're never going to get investment if we're running back and forth between those two extremes. Find somebody who can work the middle and, and create durable solutions. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the problem. And, of course, when the pendulum swings, and it always swings, then if you're completely, you know, you're completely dependent on the uh, on the out group or on the one, you know, on the in group at that point, it becomes the out group. And the and it just, it like you said, open, closed, open, closed. We become, you know, we're like the, the Pirates of the Caribbean running back and forth across a deck trying to roll the ship over. And that's what happens. Because we're running, we can't find that middle ground where we can work and steer from that location. And yes, maybe find some compromise, maybe find some people that we can convert to our cause. But at the same time, understand that people are going to disagree, and we've got to find some common ground between those things. But you know, maybe that's a, I guess that's a deeper, broader, larger show at this point than what we got going on here. 
Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, uh, as always, I appreciate you coming on board and being part of it today with us. Thank you for uh, thank you for coming in, and especially spending a little extra time with us. We appreciate that. Michael, thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed the the discussion on the Constitutional Convention. Maybe we ought to, you know, use that format more often for some. Of the yeah, no, I was thinking maybe we should bring you and Mike Shower together uh, for a friendly discussion on pros and cons, and see what you guys can hash out between the two of you. That would be a fun. Uh, that would be a fun discussion for sure. Um, uh, and I know I'd probably got a better chance of getting you two together than maybe you and John Conkill. So, uh, we'll have to see what goes on from there. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate you being part of it. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. All right, folks, we got to go here. We're going to be back in just a moment. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based, free thinking radio back with more with some Chris story thoughts right after this. Now you're cooking with gas. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the break right now. Brad, yeah, no, I mean, I would love to do that. I think that a conversation, uh, because I think that you and Mike agree on a lot of things, but at the same time, you come at it from slightly different perspectives and you respect each other. I think it would be a good conversation to be had just to talk about the pro-cons Um in in uh, in broader terms, because again, you made me think about things that I hadn't considered before, and and you know that's that's the idea behind more conversation, whether you agree with it or not, it at least makes you think and and brings it from a you know brings it from a different point of view, um, and uh, I I think that's important. Yeah, I I want to find a solution on this. I mean, we we've now gone six years without a fiscal plan, uh, and uh, and and without people you know finding. <laughs> Without the broader legislature, at least finding the common ground. I mean, eight, the fiscal policy working group did, but without the broader legislature finding the common ground. And, and that's, to me, that's really the core of the whole ConCon issue, right? Finding a way to get a fiscal policy, uh, a, a durable fiscal policy that, uh, that will, you know, solve things. And so we can get on with considering whether we actually need a defined benefit program, can afford a defined benefit program, and the people who who would pay for it are willing to pay for it. I mean, that you, you need to know who's going to pay for it before you start passing right, things like that. Right. So the people who are going to pay for it can weigh in on whether or not you know that's something that uh, something that they want to pay for. So, well, I any way that we can find you know getting to that common ground, uh, I think is a good way. And Shower was on the fiscal policy working group, so as an alternate. So, you know, he, he will have some insights into, into whether that process is ever going to work. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, but I think specifically, I definitely, cause he's been such a proponent of the constitutional convention and you pointed out some of the pitfalls. I'd like to get his thoughts on, on some of that. And, you know, like I said, yeah. have kind of a mini discussion or even mini debate about, you know, whether or not he thinks that, you know, it's going to work out the way he thinks it works, it's going to work out or the way that you think it's going to work out. I think that's, that's an important consideration here. So, but uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong on the other either. And yeah, the idea that somehow creating a new defined benefits program is going to be, it's going to work. I mean, you could just see defined benefits programs across the country. The 99% of them have crashed and burned. The other ones have had to be propped up and there are very few that have any kind of really successful track record. Uh, I mean, they have all, most all the major ones have required millions of dollars in government bailouts to be able to make them work. And now we're jumping, we're jumping back into that fire. It makes no sense. Yeah, and and Michael, that you know, people are no doubt tired of me saying this, but but the the top twenty percent don't care. 
because they're assuming yeah. they don't have to pay for it, right? Yeah. They're assuming it's going to be paid for through PFD cuts. So, you know, they don't care about whether you're voting for it or not. If we have a fiscal plan, a fiscal solution that that includes them so that they pay a, a, a material share, just like middle and lower income Alaska families are, they pay a material share of it. I think, I think the outcome of those sorts of votes are different. You know, Natasha says, wait, you're going to tax me to pay for a defined benefit plan? Oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're not going to go down that road. <laughs> Well, it'll be an interesting discussion to say the least. So we'll we'll keep you in mind here. Maybe we'll dust something up here in the next couple of weeks where we can do that. That would be a fun discussion. We'll do a Skype or a Zoom head-to-head uh, discussion or something. Uh, Brad Keithley, thank you, my friend, for coming on board. It's good to talk with you. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. All right. Appreciate you coming on board. All right. Uh, we're going to uh, finish that up here, and now we're going to jump into it. I got some thoughts from Chris Story. Uh, he's still on vacation today, so we're gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be sharing those thoughts. He sent them to me in a text this morning because he's that kind of guy. He's helping me do my work, and uh, even when he's not. Good lord, somebody's been on hold for 68 minutes. I just looked over to the phone lines because I was gonna say that we're gonna open the phone lines up. Somebody's been on hold for 68 minutes. I don't know who you are. Uh, maybe I should find out who you are. Who is this? Where are you calling from? Okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe they just set the phone down, but now I've hung the call up. So I guess we'll figure it out uh, later. That probably was Mark. Really was probably Mark. Uh, all right. Um, let's get to it. We got to, we got to move on uh, and jump back into it. And then we will, uh, we'll do a little Chris story talk and then we'll open up the phone lines for whatever you guys want to talk about. How about that? Uh, and uh, we'll see what comes out of it. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based, Free thinking radio. Like and share. Like and share. Like and share. All right, welcome back to the program, Tuesday edition of the Michael Duke Show. Now, normally, this is the segment where we bring Chris Story onto the program. You know, the guy from Homer who comes in and doses us with positivity. Well, he's on vacation today. And uh, so he tells me, have a great show. I'll be back home on Friday. And then I, I... You know, well, Chris and I are friends. So I hit him back with a, you slacker. And then he's like, okay, well, here's the whole, here's all my thought. And he just like, just downloads me a miniature novel on all of his thoughts for the day. Uh, And, uh, and I thought, wow, I, I felt ashamed. Thank you for your, anyway, so I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to channel a little bit of Chris story here this morning uh, and, um, and lay out what kind of he was thinking about today. And, uh, so we'll do that uh, here in the first part of the segment, and then uh, we'll open up the phone lines if you want to sound off later on and talk about this or anything else or anything that Brad just talked about. I know that Brad ruffled some feathers at the near the end of the program there where he was talking about working across the aisle. We could talk about that. And then I also want to ask the question about the endorsement situation. 
is, you know, the, the must read Alaska is asking the question, does a Trump endorsement help or hurt this year? And I've got some thoughts on that. I'm sure it probably will, you know, some people will agree and it will probably agitate others. But that's I'm used to that at this point. So Chris story, though, starts off his uh, his uh, thought for the day. And he says his thought for the day, he says, what's your problem? You've got problems. Good. The only people you'll ever meet without problems are in the graveyard. See how you see how you see your problems makes all the difference. And and this I'm going to slow down here and break this out a little bit. You're right. I mean, we've if we've got problems, first of all, it's the sweet and sour, right? The sweet can't be nearly as sweet without the sour in life. So we all, we've all got problems at one level or another. We all think if only I could be YouTube famous. If only I could strike it rich with that lotto. If only I could get that next raise or do whatever, then all my problems will be solved. Really? I mean, have you seen the divorce rate in Hollywood? Have you seen how well a lot of those lottery winners do after they get all those hundreds or millions of dollars or whatever? They got problems. They just got different ones. You know, the problems then become not the day-to-day struggle for, you know, maybe to make a living or do what I mean. The, pro- the problems, they're just different. So, again, the only people you'll ever meet without a problem are in the grave. Well, they may have a problem, but you, you don't know about it at that point. Um, but, you, you see, the, the, the biggest difference in how we can address things in our lives, how we can, you know, how we handle these things, the difference between a positive person and a negative person or somebody who's successful or somebody who's not I guarantee you, you can lead the majority of that back to how people react to their problems. That's the bottom line. People could be like, oh, man, it's just another problem. It's just another Monday. Oh, God, I'm a human Eeyore. And I just did or you got other people to say, mm, man, okay, well, we're going to fix this. Let's, get, let's tackle it. Become a problem solver. Now, that doesn't mean that just because you become a problem solver and you've learned how to address it and how to respond and how to react to problems doesn't mean that you go around like picking fights with, but it doesn't mean like you're like, I'm looking for problems. Show me something else. I need another one. Give me another one. Trust me, they will find you all on their own. You don't need to, you don't need to go searching them things out. But when you do find a problem, it's your decision. It's the way you have committed to yourself how you're going to react to them that will make the difference. Everybody's got a problem. You just have to decide how you're going to react to yours. Some problems are big. Some problems are small. We can't always know what our fellows are going through, or we all, but we know there's some kind of problem. So again, your attitude will make all the difference when you do find those problems or they find you. And Chris just wants to remind people on top of that, that remember, your attitude will make all the difference. And remember, you were born to live on top of the world. That's from my friend Chris Story this morning. I love it. So thank you to Chris for hitting me with some notes. Just, I mean, it was kind of him to do so. I appreciate that. And uh, that's, that's what you do. 
James in the chat room just said, he says, when he wakes up, he tells himself, you're blessed beyond measure. Well, I, I agree. I agree that every day above ground is a good day. That is, uh, that's what you can do. You know, how you deal with your problems is important. And there's nothing that can't be overcome. So, just keep going. Every day above ground is not a problem, says Chris. Exactly. I mean, when you're on this side of the grass, things are looking pretty good. I would rather have the problem and be on this side than not have a problem and be on the other. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that as a W. I'll take that as a win for today. If I'm just, I may have a problem, but I'm on this side of the grass with that kind of problem. And uh, again, the whole sweet and sour thing kicks into it for me because uh, that makes it that much sweeter on the other side. That much sweeter uh, when the when the uh, when the problem goes away or the problem is solved, and and uh, it, that that's good for us. Uh, all right, uh, we're coming up here. We got a few minutes left in this segment, and we got one more break. And I do want to talk about the endorsement question. Um, does the endorsement of President Trump help or hurt this year? This is a question from Suzanne Downing over at Must Read Alaska. And uh, and, I, and I, I've been thinking this myself, quite honestly, as I've heard, you know, more and more. And it, it came out, you know, started off with Kelly Shibaka and then it was uh, uh, and then it was uh, um, uh, Mike Dunleavy. And then it was caveated for Dunleavy that he would only. Uh, he would only support Dunleavy if Dunleavy didn't support Murkowski. And now Sarah Palin has got the endorsement. And so the question is, I don't know. Uh, they host, they quoted Dan Fagan in here who hosts another radio show, uh, here in Anchorage. He says, my audience worships Trump and they are expressing disappointment in him now because they're not happy about his Palin endorsement. And I guess the question is, how do you guys feel about that? How, how do you guys feel about the endorsement of President Trump on a candidate? Does it make you more likely or less likely? I mean, President Trump has endorsed Dunleavy. Um, Mike is not going to get my first vote in the ranked choice voting. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be voting for Charlie Pierce in the number one position. I might vote for Mike in number two. But, uh, I mean, I, I think Charlie is going to get my number one vote at this point. So does that endorsement help him or hurt him, or does it not matter at all? That's the question. Uh, so let's start uh, talking about that and see, what, uh, see what's uh, going on out there. Let's go over to the phones. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Ron in North Pole. Hello, my friend. Uh, just a, a a quick tip and something you might want to get into. Uh, I uh, noted a community perspectives column in the Sunday news matter that would be April 17th by a fellow named uh, H. Thompson Prinzel, P-R-E-N-T-Z-E-L. Okay. And uh, deals with uh, alteration of the rules of the Alaska Parole Board. And uh, having read the article uh, several times, I, I would admonish you to simply, uh, as you read it, think uh, separation of powers. So uh, give that a shot and see what you think. Um, I don't know as I can see the letters to the editors on the Newsminer without subscribing to the site. If you get a chance to send it over to me, that would be great. I'll read it. Well, it also appeared in the uh, Frontiersman. 
Okay. So you might be able to get there. Um, okay. And his last name is Prinzel. Yes. Okay. And well, uh, after after you after you finish with it, uh, I would strongly suggest that uh, you and uh, other potential readers or people who have already read it uh, do a very brief uh, internet search of uh, the writer to understand his perspective. <laughs> okay, I'll take a look. And that's at, charitable. Yo, that's charitable. Well, I'll take see it, if I'll see it, if I can actually read it, it uh, and appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Take care, my friend. All right. Uh, let's uh, move ahead here. we got time for one more call before we go to break. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Ray at North Pole. Hello, Ray. What's on your mind? Yeah, endorsements don't matter one way or the other. I make up my mind on and my decisions on what their rhetoric is and what they're going to fight for. Mm-hmm. And as far as Brad Kingsley saying he got to reach across the aisle, they already tried that with the 50-50, and they got, got it thrown back in their face. You can't negotiate with terrorists. And these criminal liberals, why aren't they being prosecuted for stealing the permanent fund? Because why they, aren't they going to jail? Because they did so under the color of law, man. I mean, that's the thing. You know, the best criminals are the ones that get the law to work for them, not the other way around. You know, that's – I mean, that's what this whole thing is about. I mean, that's what they got the judgment – from the judge that said, oh, no, the legislature can set it by caveat. They can do that. That's okay. You can't, you know, they don't have to follow that law. That's that's how they're able to do it. They they did it under the color of law. And both Republicans and Democrats well, have, have, have up, upheld that and continued to do that. Well, I'm not going to vote for Palin. She cut and run on us once, left us with our backsides hanging out. She's too old. She's too pickled. And we need somebody young with some fight in them. Okay, what's your? And that's that's what, my view. Well, who's your take? I mean, do you have a you have a hot take on who you're going to vote for out of the forty eight besides or the other forty seven besides Palin? Well, I'm I'm inclined to Nick Begich and uh, Kelly Shabaka. Okay, the rest are still up in the air with me. All right. Well, thank you for your call. I appreciate you calling in, Ray. Uh, thank you for being part of it today. All right, we got more coming up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We got four phone lines open right now. We will continue. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. All right, back with more and your phone calls right after this. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, Let me go back to the chat room here to see what you guys... um... Uh, good mind food doesn't help. He doesn't, uh, Herman says that, uh, the endorsement by Trump doesn't help. He doesn't know what Mike Dunleavy is doing. Um, you only get one vote in the primary. I know that Barbara, I wasn't talking about the primary. I was talking about in the ranked choice setup, assuming that Charlie gets to the, to the, to the general. That's what I was talking about, but I understand how it could be confusing because there's so many different layers to it. 
Uh, yes, I know that there is only one vote in the primary. Uh, if we want, if we want to write this state, I think we should follow the Trump train. Mm. Kind of wish that Trump would pay to, would. I kind of wish that Trump would head off into the sunset. I would rather see DeSantis run for president. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would. Uh, Trump is a Putin fan. What a complete disgrace. Blah blah blah. Charlie Pierce gets my number one rank. Yes, Charlie Pierce is number one. Tara Sweeney is a great president, uh, a candidate as well, rather. Uh, Charlie Pierce for governor. Whether you like President Trump or not, he was correct in about 90% of the things he said about the swamp. I didn't elect him to be an eloquent speaker. And I agree with that. He's He was right on a lot of things. I would not say 90%, but a good 75% for sure. But there were a couple things for me that were unforgivable. And the fact that he is just such a narcissist. I just have a hard time. I've always had a hard time wrapping my brain around that. Um, I know that there's, you know, um, I know that's hard for a lot of you, but I just, you know, that a lot of you embrace that brashness, that that just bullheaded whatever. Rudeness, I guess, is what I saw it as a lot of times. Uh, but I just, it, <clears throat> it just turned me off. That's it. I've never been a fan uh, uh, for that reason. I was never a fan of him before he ran into politics. Um, I think it points out who's America's first people, not fake. I think it just points out who, who's America's first people, not fake Republicans. Um, let's see. Endorsements are meaningful, says Edie. Trump doesn't know Dunleavy invasion of foreigners and nothing is done. Proper grand jury would indict the theft of the PFD. She's too old. Yeah, I mean, she's, I mean, if you're talking about longevity, um, as far as, you know, how long that they will create that longevity and, 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 and get the uh, seniority, yeah, she is on the older side of that. She is, uh, you know, she's, she's not the spring chicken that uh, Nick Baggage is or Tara Sweeney at that point. Uh, and it's all about longevity. Sometimes the mere matter of a few weeks seniority makes a difference. Um, I'm voting for Kelly, said uh, Hawk. Kelly here, uh, all exposure matters. No, I mean, I think Kelly's a great choice. I think Kelly Kelly is a fantastic choice for, uh, for Senate. Um, the question is, who do you pick out of the 48 for the House at this point? Uh, okay. Don't get me wrong, Charlie has good attributes. What about what? Would you accept a seventy percent partner? Don't get me wrong, Charlie has good attributes. I tend to look behind the curtain. You show me your friends, I will show you policy. He is chums with Machiki, much like Walker. We know their PFD IQ. I don't know who you copied that from, Herman, but um, whoever it was was a moron. So let me just put it that way. Um, because I mean. Ch- ch- Charlie has been criticizing uh, Peter Machicki for some of his stances and is anyway, I'm not even going to defend Charlie at this point. Whoever you quoted that from or copied that from, they don't know what they're talking about. Name recognition gets you the final four in elections. Um, uh, we need another cowboy. Uh, Mr. Young did not, did not do this country of any favors, nor did Mr. Young do babies any favors. Uh, Trump did not drain the swamp like he said he was going to do. That's why he got shot from within. He actually hired more swamp monsters like Rudy Giuliani and some of those other clowns. 
I think he just likes to stir the pot, too, by the way, because the first thing he does is he opens up the floodgate for internal strife and all those kind of things. Grievac is the best choice for Congress. Baggage is the liberal Trojan horse. Woo! Man, Harold, you got to put that crack pipe down, man. Um, you can wrap your head around this inflation. President Trump hurt your feelings. I didn't hurt my feelings. Uh, I just found him distasteful. Uh, it didn't hurt my feelings. Um, you know, uh, I kind of found him to be a blowhard. Um, election, he needs to Chris by. I like Chris by. I think Chris by has got a good, uh, got a good shot at uh, maybe picking up the very fourth position if he can get some more name recognition. And I really like to see that as well. I think it'd be good to have that choice in the top four. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, we're coming up into it. Uh, the final segment of the show this morning. Like and share, like and share. Um, and we'll uh, we'll see what uh, you guys have to say. Feel free to give us a shout right now if you want to do it. Uh, we'll get it done. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking, Ray Didio. Okay, uh, one final segment here. Taking some calls from you guys at uh, 907-433-3150. The Pivotel call-in line, powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. Say thank you to them for continuing to sponsor the program. Let's go over to the phones and see what uh, you got to say. What you got to say this morning uh, about uh, whatever it is that we've been uh, talking about over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, Michael. This is Jason calling from Fairbanks. Good morning, Jason. What's uh, on your mind? Hi. Well, I just heard you mention Charlie Pierce, and I heard him on your show a few weeks ago, Like, and I liked everything I heard, but I'm a bit troubled because I emailed him. In fact, I emailed him twice in the same morning about three weeks ago uh, with a po- policy question, and I have yet to hear back from him, and even with Lisa Murkowski, who I do not care for. I've always gotten replies from her and, of course, from Senator Sullivan and while he was alive, Don Young, when I had questions or or advocacy messages about certain policy issues. And it's almost like I'm being, I'm not saying I'm being ignored, but uh, should I, should we be concerned that Charlie Pierce isn't, didn't reply? And is, I, that a, is that happening to other people besides just me? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. I can't answer for Charlie as to why he would do it. Which email did you uh, which email did you send it to? Well, I sent it both through his website, you know, the, the form that you fill mm-hmm. out, and also through his email address, which uh, appears when you when you when you put the cursor on the right place on his website. Mm-hmm. Okay. He should have gotten it and I've looked in my junk mail file too in case my email system or ISP thought it was a spam or something and no sign of anything. I'm just kind of concerned because like I said I liked what I what he had to say. Well, Edie Grunwald, who is his um, his uh, lieutenant governor candidate, is in the chat room, and she says she'll look into it to figure out what Jason uh, to see where your email went, Jason, and uh, 
and she'll look into this. That's service. Wow. Yeah, well, she's, <laughs> I think I thank her. She's she's here <laughs> waiting. So. Her all right. Well, uh, I appreciate it, Jason. Uh, uh, thank you for calling in and joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. your thoughts. Uh, by the okay. way, on the uh, on the okay. endorsement issue. Well, um, I voted for Donald Trump. Um, you know, I you know I'm probably one of the very few people who, uh, yeah, you know, people seem to either hate him or love him, and I'm kind of in between on him. Um, I think he understood security issues very well, but. I would have to admit that he is a bit of a blowhard, but, a, but again, being from where he is, having grown up in Queens, I can see why. It's, it's a cultural crucible to grow up in, but um, his his endorsement doesn't change my mind. If um, uh, I, I like Sarah Palin, but there are other candidates who I might like 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 better. I think what I'm going to do, and in fact I would suggest everybody do, is look up all the candidates on the Numbers USA website because they list everything that all those candidates, you know, things they've said, mm-hmm. what their positions are, so that people can make up their own minds in great detail, you know, on, on every right. issue going right, right down the line. And oh. I think that's what I'm going to do. The the actual the the, um, the endorsements don't seem to. You know, I'm glad to have heard that he endorsed her, but it's not gonna it's not gonna affect me one way or another whether I vote for her or not. Right. Okay. Well, good. I appreciate you uh, sounding off on that. Thank you for calling in, uh, Jason. Uh, we'll we'll move forward here to the next caller four three three thirty one fifty. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, if it's me, it's uh, you. This is Lauren from Soldatna. Hello, Lauren from Soldatna. What's on your mind? I just uh, I heard a guy here just a little bit ago uh, in your last segment. He said, you know, they wasn't going to vote for Sarah Palin because she cut and run, and uh, I just don't see it that way at all. Uh, you know, I I remember a article in like I don't know the New York Times, whatever. They even admitted that she ended up, uh, you know, I mean it was death by a thousand uh, uh, lawsuits, right, you know? and. Uh, they, I mean, from the from the minute she got elected as governor, uh, they hit her with lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. You know, frivolous stuff that uh, took a lot of her time. But people need to remember that she's—you could almost call her the mother of the Tea Party, if you look back at uh, the work she did. You know, back in uh, what 2011. Uh, so anyway, I just want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I think that she would make an incredible uh, Congress Congresswoman for us. Uh, I I don't uh, I, I'm I hate uh, that there's going to be votes split between like her and and Begich. Right. But uh, that seems to be what Republicans do. <laughs> Circle the wagon, so, shoot uh, inward. I mean, good enough at this point. It's good to know that Gross and Constant are going to be stealing votes from each other uh, as well. Like Adam Wool too, or did Wool pull back out? I can't remember now. But yeah, no, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and I agree with you. I mean, I've had this argument with Ray from North Pole before about I don't believe that she was a quitter. I believe that she did what she had to do for the best interests of the state because at that point, as you said, it was a death by a thousand. You know, death by a thousand legal cuts. Uh, essentially, she couldn't walk out of her house without getting a an ethics complaint filed against her, and they they weaponized it. They weaponized the whole thing, and uh, and basically just browbeat her out of office. Uh, I don't see it as quitting. 
uh, when you have to spend $50,000 of your own money to try and defend yourself against frivolous stuff because the state won't even shield you from it uh, at that point. And, uh, I mean, she had to do what she had to do. So at, uh, I I don't think she was a quitter either, quite honestly. So, All right. Well, uh, anyway, uh, man, I just, you know, and then uh, just one last note. Uh, I mean, everybody out there that's listening to you knows how essential it is that we get rid of Murkowski. And, uh, and of course, I'm a I'm a big Kelly Shabaka uh, promoter and fan, and uh, I, I'm, I'm doing everything that I can right now, everything I can, and everything I can afford to to help her oust uh, traitorous Murkowski. All right. Well, thank you for your call. We appreciate you calling in from down there. Thank you for being part of it today. Uh, let's go over here. Another call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, good morning. This is Mike in Fairbanks. Good morning, Mike. So uh, endorsements don't mean a whole lot, I think. I think most of us will uh, gather our various sources of information and make our choices. Uh, for those of your listeners who read Must Read Alaska regularly, Hopefully you've put enough time into that website to see that voting for Sarah Palin is not a good idea. Uh, there's some information from Art Chance on that website who worked with her extensively during her governorship. Anyway, uh, Sarah is not a good choice, I don't think, and I'm concerned that she's going to extract enough votes from other better conservative candidates that... Uh, we could end up with a Al Gross. Right. Anyway, uh, and then the other thing that has been pointed out, at least in some of the circles I travel, is that with the new ranked choice voting, we need to vote as a team. So regardless of what your party registration is or is not, if you're conservative in your thinking, then we need to join forces and because of this ranked choice we need to vote as a team right. and uh when you said you you were going to vote for Charlie Pierce in in an in a regular election I would have agreed with you and I probably would have voted for Charlie Pierce but because of this need to to vote as a team, as a as a large number of people together, I'm probably going to vote for Dunleavy, and Charlie might be my second choice in the regular election. But anyway, uh, I'm I'm very concerned. I think there are candidates in some of these races that have just been paid to join that race by other entities to draw right. votes away from the strong candidates. And we all need to think about the potential of drawing well, votes away from all, strong candidates. All we can do is rank the red, my friend, uh, you know, in the, in the general, in the ranked choice voting, I think the primary is going to be your one shot to have your voice heard one way or the other. Uh, and that's uh, it. I got three more lines on hold, but I am literally less than 60 seconds away from the end of the show. So I'm sorry. I'll take your calls off the air here real quick uh, with the listeners on Facebook. But uh, I just don't have time to jump into this uh, with the time constraints that I was looking at. All right. Thank you, my friends, for coming on board. You know, I see it as this way. I'm going to vote for who I want to really have in the primary. 
That's that's who I'm going to vote for. And then when I get to the general and the rank choice voting, I'm going to rank rank the conservative candidates that I believe will make the most difference. So we'll we'll see where it goes from there. But if I can't get my candidate into the rank choice voting, then what good am I doing? So I'm going to be voting for my candidate in the primary, the one that I really, really want. And we'll see where it goes from there. Thank you, my friends. Live well, love one another. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, uh, we got uh, one line on hold here. Let me uh, let me go over here to this caller and see what they have to say since uh, they decided to hold on. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Mike. This is your buddy Mark up here in the uh, Golden Heart interior. Never fails. What's up, Mark? Well, by golly, I didn't get in quick enough with a... Uh, a rally for Sarah. Okay. So you're rallying for Sarah. Yes, and I wanted to congratulate you on a well-conducted MC for the program today. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks yep. for uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, bye. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, that's it. I really mean it this time. I'm I'm out of here. That was that was worth it. Um, I just want to facepalm so hard right now. All right, we will see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We'll see you then. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show